Hey, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. While you're on your phone, why don't you follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. We want to stay connected with you throughout your week. Our prayer is that this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus. So without further ado, here's the message. Happy Father's Day to all the fellows out there. Well, the good news, the good news keeps rolling. I mean, $54,000 for baby box, um, that's $60,000, that's... That's pretty amazing, but I want to introduce you to some new members of the Fern Creek family. Again, we have three services, and people are making decisions all the time. So let me just show you just real quick. Let me introduce you to some new family members. This is Christian Frakes and Tanner Schmidt. They were baptized last Sunday, so let's welcome these two to the family. And then the next, the next family I want to show you, Bobby and Christy Hall. They transferred their membership. Uh, so, man, what a great family that is. Let's welcome the Halls of Church. God is on the move, so if you are thinking about a decision, we would love to celebrate that with you as well here at Fern Creek. So again, happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there. If you're a father, would you stand up so we can, uh, we can say a happy Father's Day to you and celebrate and thank God for you. That's awesome. You know, for Mother's Day, we, uh, we honored all the ladies of the church, not just moms, but we wanted to celebrate all ladies. And same thing, you know, for Father's Day, we want to celebrate all men today. We gave the women uh, gourmet Steel City popsicles, you know. And so for the fellas, we were like, well, you know, we're not going to give out gourmet popsicles. So here's what we decided. Cigars and lottery tickets for you all. <laughs> no, I can't do that. In public, see me after church. <laughs> no, we got McAllister chocolate chip cookies for all the men in the church. And so, fellas, we want to appreciate you and thank God for you. Um, you know, I love being a man. I, I thank God I'm a man. I love being a man. Here are the five top reasons I love being a man. Number five, bathroom lines are 90% shorter. Amen. <laughs> Number four, I can shower and be ready in six minutes. It's true. I'm on the go. I can get, get out of here. I don't have to shave my legs, number three. I don't have to shave my legs. The second reason I love being a man is women's church outings, you get to eat chicken and fruit salad. Men's church outings, we got ribs, tater tots, and gator bites. That's how we roll, right? And the number one reason I love being a man, phone calls are over in 45 seconds or less. That's how we roll, right? It's great to be a man. Now, now sadly, not... Not everybody is happy with us fellas today. Today there seems to be this push to eradicate masculinity in our culture. Men are told, you're too toxic. Men are told, you need to be more feminine. So now we've got men running around wearing makeup, wearing skirts. They've even stripped the masculinity off Mr. Potato Head. They've taken the Mr. away from him. He's now just called Potato Head, and I find that so stupid. Now today, they're, they're starting to say you can't call freshmen freshmen because there's man at the end of it. So now we're going to strip that away and call them first years. And again, I find that blooming insane. And masculinity is being stripped really before our very eyes, being reconfigured. It's kind of like we're living back in the day of Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein, 
let's throw out some stuff, let's throw in some new stuff, let's mix it all together, let's shock it, and let's see what, what comes out. Here's one even better. I mean, today, now they're saying, let's get rid of all gender. Let's get rid of any kind of reference to gender. Let's get rid of any kind of masculinity. So now biological males are competing as females. It's a pagan culture's attempt to try to define masculinity. Let's make man in our own image, and out pops this monster of incredible misunderstanding. And the question really we need to ask ourselves today is, what does it mean to be a man? Like, what, is God, what was God's original intention of, of biblical manhood? God created the genders. There is something sacred, something beautiful in the female gender, and that is awesome and to be celebrated. But I'm here today to remind you there is something inspirational and there's something sacred about masculinity, about males that reflect this beautiful image of God as well. Now, no doubt about it, throughout history and even today, there have been toxic males. There have been men who have abused and suppressed women. And that kind of domination is just as monstrous as the emasculation of manhood in our culture today. So today, in honor of Father's Day, I really want to set the record straight. This isn't just for the men of our church. It's for the women. It's for our children. We all need to hear this. I want to affirm. I want to celebrate biblical masculinity today. Men, you are not created to be toxic. You are not the Al Bundys and the Homer Simpsons that the world paints you to be. You are the sons of the Most High King. You bear God's image. You are the defenders. You are the watchmen on the wall. Your family, your church, and the world needs you. And I want to affirm that in you today. So I want to go back to the very beginning. And I want to take a look at how men, you were created. And I want to remind you of the noble call and noble purpose that you have. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Let's, let's relearn some things. Let's look at some things with a fresh set of lenses. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Watch what we read. Then the Lord God, tell me the next word, formed. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. That word formed, it's a very interesting Hebrew word. It meant to fashion, it meant to forge, it meant to design. So my brothers, your creation was no haphazard Dr. Frankenstein kind of thing. You were not designed by some random accident. You were carefully designed by God. You were fashioned and forged with a purpose. He knit you together. In the second chapter of the Bible, we see this heartbeat of what God wanted every man to be, right? Look what we read. Number one, you are wired for God. Fellas, you are wired for God. Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 7 again. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, I want you to think about God's creation. Out of all of his wonderful creation... The universe, the plant life, the life that teems in the oceans, the life that flies in the skies, the life that roams on the earth. 
God breathed all of that out. God breathed all of that into existence. But when God created man, he did something unique. He did something that he hadn't done before. God didn't breathe on Adam. What does the Bible say? He breathed into Adam. He breathed into. He didn't breathe on. He breathed into Adam. He gave him something very unique. He gave him something very different. He gave him a soul. So my brothers, you are not just an animal who can think. You are not created by some cosmic sneeze. You are not developed by random chance from lower life forms to every man, woman, and child who hears the sound of my voice. You are not only created by God, you are the crowning jewel of his entire creation. Man, your creator not only designs you, man, he, he knows you and he loves you. He writes your name on the palm of his hand. He sings songs with your name in it. He aches when you ache. He rejoices when, when you rejoice. You bear his image. You share his likeness. And if only we had this view of humanity. If only we understood that every person we see, black, white, red, yellow, Asian, Hispanic, European, you know, atheist, no matter who we see, if we could just recapture this idea that, that I am seeing, I am, I am engaging with another person that is an image bearer of the most high God, oh, what a, what a difference that would make in our world. This is why Darwinian evolution is so damaging. When you believe your neighbor is just some lower life form, when you believe your classmates are here because of some cosmic burp, some random accident, man, no wonder we murder and abuse and treat each other like the animals they say we are. Every man and every woman is unique. You are different from anything God created. And that means unlike the plants, unlike the animals, you can know God. You can think about God. You can love God. You can talk to God. Your heart can beat for your creator. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment anyone could ever follow? Do you remember what he said? Look at Luke 12, 30. He said, the most important one is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. Now, your heart, talking about men, you are wired for a heart that, that beats for God. Your heart is the center of who you are. Jesus said the first priority, the first calling of every man and really every woman all of us is to have this heart that longs, that burns for our creator. Look at Psalm 73, 25. David said, who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart will fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. When I, when I see that word portion, you know what I think of? I think of Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I don't know how your plate looks on Thanksgiving, but I'll tell you my, my Thanksgiving plate. 
On my Thanksgiving plate, I got little piles around the perimeter. That's how I, that's how I roll. I kind of stack up. So, you know, here, here's a little cranberry. Here's a little dressing. Here's a little green bean. Here's a little corn casserole. And then, and then I got my turkey. But over the top of everything, consuming everything is my mashed potatoes. <laughs> that's my portion, right? And it just covers. It just oozes it just consumes the whole, the whole plate. And when you think about your life, if your life were a plate, you're going to have little, little portions. You're going to have your family. You're going to have your job. You're going to have your friends. You're going to have your hobby. Maybe your family would be the turkey. They're not, not, they're not turkeys. Maybe they'd be the, you know, the meat on the plate. But what I'm telling you is over everything, over all of that has got to be God. God has got to be the, the, the main thing in our life because we were designed for him. We were designed to, to have that connection with him. Someone once wrote the chief goal of man, the chief goal of man, the chief goal of woman is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's, that's our call. That's how we were wired. So my brothers... My sisters, your relationship with God isn't a side dish. It's not just something that, that you do on the weekend. It's got to become your portion forever. It's got to be the thing that drives you. It's got to be the thing that challenges you. When I'm forced to decide between what I want and what he wants, I've got to just, God, you are my portion, and I will obey no matter what, and I will follow no matter what, and you are my portion, God. That, that, that's how we were wired. So, so men, you were wired to have this heart that beats for God. Here's the second thing we're gonna learn. You also have a heart that's wired for mission. You wanna have a heart that beats for God, but you're also wired for mission. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, tell me the next two words. Work it. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about this is the very first thing God does to this brand new man is give him a job. First thing, first thing, man, you've got a job. He puts him to work. And the first job God gives to Adam, do you remember what it was? To, to name the animals. God said, I'm gonna create them, but your job, Adam, is to name them. I want you to finish what I started. So, so most guys get this, that that God has wired us, God has designed us to, to be doers, to act, to work, to provide, to support by the sweat of our brow to take care of those that we love. This is what it means to be a man. Now, ladies, let me ask you a question. Do, do you appreciate a man who works? Do you? Do you, do you appreciate? I mean, I hope you do. I hope you do because we're seeing right before our very eyes that's kind of being eroded. But not only, fellas, listen to me. Not only do women appreciate a man who works, they find it sexy. Ladies, you want to amen to that? Amen. Oh, okay, good, good, yeah. It's the truth, it's the truth. I mean, you know, when, 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 let, me show, let me show you how deep this idea of work is for a man. When you read the account, the first man got a job before he got a woman. Now think about that. Before, before a woman came into his life, he, he had a job. So ladies, if a man wants to, to be with you, 
and that man has no job. And he says to you, baby, we're going to live on love. He's stupid, okay? I don't care if he has Fabio hair and he smells good. If he's got no job, you need to help him. It's not biblical. You need to help him. You need to encourage him. You need to motivate him. And I'm going to give you a little phrase that will help. So to prepare you, you know, all the ladies, I want you to, to a man who hasn't got a job, to a man who won't work, I want, ladies, this is your phrase to help motivate him. So all the ladies in church, I want you to repeat this after me. You got no money. You got no honey. <laughs> That'll inspire him. That will motivate him. So, so fellas, listen, God is wired. He's wired inside of you this, this idea to work and to provide and to support. Uh, and, 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 and if you're doing that, fellas, I want to tell you a great job. I, I want to I, I I um, affirm you and celebrate you that you are doing what God has called you to do. Great job. But it goes deeper than just a job. It goes deeper than just just a work. Let, let me show it to you again. Look at Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So, so the working piece is one thing, but, but there's this other piece men you're to take care of. Now when you see the phrase take care of it, the Hebrew the Hebrew of that phrase carries this idea of finishing it, cultivate it. Like, again, God, God said, Adam, I'm going to give you a helpmate, and I want you to, to finish what I've started. Adam, I, I've created the animals. You've got to finish the rest of it. So, so, so we are to be stewards. We are to be finishers. We, we, we aren't just to work. We're... We're to have a mission. You, you can do a task and not have a mission. You can do a job and not have a mission. God says, no, I want you to have a mission, a calling. My job brings me glory. My mission brings glory to God. My job promotes my kingdom. But if I have a mission, that promotes the kingdom of God. My job is really only focused on my needs. My mission is on the needs of God and the needs of others. Maybe this will help you figure out the difference between a job and a mission. Teddy Stollard was a very poor student. Wrinkled clothes, unkept hair, unfocused stare. When his teacher, Miss Thompson, would ask Teddy a question, he would never respond, maybe with monosyllables, but just, just very poor student. And Miss Thompson, she said to all the students that she loved everyone the same, but that was really not true. When it came to Teddy's papers, she, she always loved putting a big red X next to the questions that he got wrong. And then she, with great flair, would put an F on the top of Teddy's paper. And she should have known better because she had access to Teddy's records, and this is how they read. First grade, Teddy shows promise with his work and attitude, but poor home situation. Second grade, Teddy could do better. Mother is seriously ill. He receives little help at home. 
third grade. Teddy's a good boy, but too serious, a slow learner. His mother died this year. Fourth grade, Teddy is slow but well-behaved. His father shows no interest. Well, Christmas came, and the kids decided to bring Miss Thompson a Christmas present, so they all piled them on her desk, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, she began to open them, and, and uh, the boys and girls crowded around her desk, and on the desk was one gift from Teddy Stollard. Teddy's gift was wrapped in brown paper and held together with scotch tape. And on the package, it just said, To Miss Thompson from Teddy Stollard. When she opened Teddy's present, out fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half the, the stones missing and a half bottle of cheap perfume. The kids began to giggle over Teddy's gifts. But Miss Thompson at least had the insight to calm that by putting on the bracelet and spraying on a little perfume. And she said to the students, my, doesn't it smell pretty? And they all took their cue from their teacher and nodded and oohed and awed. And at the end of the day, when school was over and all the other boys and girls had left the room, Teddy Stollard had lingered behind. And walking up to her desk, he said softly, Miss Thompson, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mother. And her bracelet looks real pretty on you too. I'm so glad you like the gifts. When Teddy left, Miss Thompson got down on her knees and wept and asked God to forgive her. The next day when the kids came to school, they were welcomed by a brand new woman, a brand new teacher. Miss Thompson was no longer just a teacher. She'd become an agent of God. She was no longer working a job. She was now on mission. She was now a person committed to loving her students and, and doing things for them that would long outlive her. She helped all the children, especially the slow ones, especially Teddy Stollard. And by the end of that school year, Teddy Stollard showed dramatic improvement. As a matter of fact, he caught up to most of the other students. That year, as he left her class, Miss Thompson really didn't hear from Teddy much after that. Then one day, she received a note that read, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know. I'll be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy Stollard. Four years later, another note came. Dear Miss Thompson, they just told me I'll be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to be the first to know. College has not been easy, but I like it. Love, Teddy Stoller. Four years later, the last note came. Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stollard, MD. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mother would sit if she were still alive. You're the only family I have left now. Dad died last year. Love, Teddy Stollard. Miss Thompson went to that wedding and sat where Teddy's mom would have sat. She deserved to sit there. She had done something for Teddy he could never forget. My friends, that's the difference between a job and a mission. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So God gave you a heart to beat for him. God gave you a heart to beat for your mission. And then lastly, God gave you a heart wired for family. Give you a heart wired for family. Look at, look at verse 20. For Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, I know we, we can't do justice in the, as we got to wrap this up, we can't do justice to these two verses of Scripture. This is pretty deep, pretty intimate. But I love the fact that God created Eve from a rib bone. It's better than dirt, right? But, but, but he chose this, this place. He, he didn't create Eve from a, a shoulder bone that she would rule over Adam. He didn't create Eve from a, a shin bone that Adam would trample over her. No, he, he, he found some place in the middle. He chose a bone next to the heart of the man. And what God was saying to Adam is this relationship is to be equal. This is an undeniable bond. She is part of you, and you are part of her. This is going to be a unique relationship. This is going to be somebody, Adam, I want you to love. I want you to nurture. I want you to protect with all your heart. So guys, listen, I know your buddies need you. I know your job needs you. I know your sports team needs you. But your wife and your family need you so much more. So much more. And instead of sticking it out, you know, when you look at the divorce rate, even among Christians, man, it's just like it is in the world. And, and instead of sticking it out, so many quit. And I wonder why we quit. You know, back in the day, Paul Simon wrote a song called 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Jack slipped out the back Stan made a new plan. Roy was kind of coy. Gus hopped on a bus. Lee dropped off the key. Why do so many leave? I'm sure there are lines that once crossed. Man, you, know, you can't go back. But for many of us, this idea of leaving, why does it resonate? Because maybe, 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 Maybe we've had the wrong understanding of what marriage is supposed to be. I think everyone gets married today thinking that um, this person will fill me. This person will complete me. You read the books, you watch the movies, you listen to the songs, and that's, that's the portrayal. Like, this is the one that will do everything for you. This is the one that will fill you inside and out. And we buy that because we know deep down inside who's the only one that fills, who's the only one that completes. He's the only one that can do that. And so maybe that's why so many leave. But what if, what if the reason God created marriage wasn't to make us happy? Oh, oh, for sure, there ought to be great seasons of happiness. But what if, what if marriage was not designed to make us happy? What if it was designed to make us holy? You, you see, everything about this journey in life is to draw us closer to God. Everything about our journey is to fashion us and to form us, and that's not an easy process. That's not comfortable. But, but, but maybe marriage is one of those things that 
begins to form us and break us and mold us into the image of who he is. This is the question that Gary Thomas proposes in a book I want to recommend to you. If you could read one book this year, here's the book I'd want you to read. It's called Sacred Marriage. Sacred Marriage by, by Gary Thomas. And this is what he begins to develop. Listen to what he says. He says, if the purpose of marriage was simply to enjoy an infatuation and make me happy, then I would have to get a new marriage every two to three years. But if I really wanted to see God transform me from inside out, I'd need to concentrate on changing myself rather than changing my spouse. The hour is short. We've got to land the plane. There's so much more to say, but can we just wrap this up today by saying, fellas, you were created for a noble call, a noble purpose. May your heart beat. May it be wired first and foremost for your God. Give your life, give yourself to him 100%. May your heart beat for a mission, not just a job, but a mission to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And may your heart beat for your family. May you and I leave this place today saying to the one who created us, there will be happy moments in my marriage. But that's not what I'm basing it on. I'm gonna approach my marriage and you're calling me to be holy. Use this relationship in my life. Well, thanks for tuning in to FC Radio. Hope that message encouraged you to love, live, and lead like Jesus to become a disciple that makes more disciples. That is why Fern Creek Christian Church exists in the first place. That is what we seek to do every single day, to love, live, and lead like Jesus, and to be disciples that is committed to Christ's mission, to making more disciples, to growing the kingdom of God. Man, we would love to connect with you. If you go on our website, www.ferncreekcc.org you can fill out what's called a Fern Creek in Five card. It's just a form that asks you questions and helps us to get to know exactly who we're ministering to as a church. Once again, follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. We're posting things all the time to encourage you and inspire you to follow Jesus throughout your week. Well, if you would like to worship with us in person, I want to invite you to do so on Sunday mornings. We have three services, a homecoming service featuring more Southern gospel music and hymns at 845. Then we have two contemporary services at 10 and 1115. If you would like to give to support the ministry we're doing online and in our community, I want you to go to our website, www.ferncreekcc.org, or download our app on the App Store. There you'll be able to find big giving tabs that will walk you through easy ways to give to our ministry. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us today here on FC Radio. Know that there is a church located in Louisville, Kentucky, praying for you, dedicated to equipping you to become a disciple that makes more disciples by loving, living, and leading like Jesus. Grace, peace, see you next week.